0: As you've heard a few times, it's a service focused on prayer today, and a service focused on prayer must have prayer as a key part of it. Before we gather to pray together, we're going to dig a little bit into this passage from James that I will read before Pastor Tony takes us through. From James chapter 5, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kevin. So this service is going to be a little different from our normal services. This is a prayer service, and let me explain to you what's going to happen. Um, I'm going to introduce the idea to you of prayer, and specifically healing prayer, as you heard in that passage. Uh, I'm going to go through this passage briefly, introduce you to some of the ideas and the reasons that we pray. We are then going to close the service. We're not going to do the Lord's Supper this morning. Those of you who need to leave or would like to leave, uh, who are not ready for prayer, at that point, that's the time to go. Those of you who would like to stay and pray, we will be forming circles of prayer. Members of our diaconate and, and the leaders of the church are going to form small circles and we invite you to, be, to go and sit with one of those groups And we are going to have a time of prayer and praise and, for those who want it, uh, healing and anointing with oil. So it's a little different. Some of you are freaked out right now. My goal, looking at this passage, is to help you think about why you might consider staying. Because I hope that you do. And um, if all of you stay, that would be completely wonderful. We are blessed with a church where we can move our chairs and arrange this room any way we want. So let's look at this passage. Well, before we look at the passage, what is prayer? For most Christians, prayer is both the easiest and the hardest aspect of Christianity, and especially for new Christians. It's so easy a child can do it. In fact, uh, I'm sure those of you who are parents or around children have heard children praying. Some of the sweetest prayers you will ever hear because children are very straightforward. There's no doubt. There's no self-consciousness, no irony. They just speak to God. They just speak to God as a parent, as a father. And it's no accident that Jesus tells us to pray to our father. That attitude of faith, conscious relationship, direct communication, is the invitation to pray to God as our Father. But also, it's one of the harder things for people to do. When I was an intern while I was still at seminary, uh, I was asked to form a a small group in Manhattan. And uh, we gathered for the first meeting, all these uh, slick professional corporate types coming from work in their their suits and their power clothing. Uh, I was wearing jeans. A little intimidating, but... I was at seminary, I had all this theology, I had a whole prepared lesson based on Romans and I was ready to go and I said we should, we should gather ourselves by praying and inviting God and uh, we all bowed our heads and prayed as I was used to at seminary but then there was a weird awkwardness in the room and I looked and two of the women were just like looking around like we're all freaks. Uh, and it was so awkward that I stopped and I said, well, what's the problem? I couldn't imagine what the problem was. What is prayer? To them, it was not at all obvious that this was a good idea. In fact, they thought it was weird. And instead of all this, which I thought was the point, theology, we spent that first meeting and several meetings just talking about the idea of having a God at all to be in relationship with, the idea of what prayer may, means. Because it's weird to talk to somebody who's not there. If you saw a person walking down the street talking, you'd think that they were insane. Although, of course, now with cell phones, they might just be talking to someone. But of course, that's the point. If you are actually talking to somebody, it's not weird. It's not insane. It's not strange. But if there's nobody there, then you're a nutter, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. And so, is God there? Prayer comes to the very heart of what we believe, what we believe about God, who we are as Christians, because it forces you to confront the very biggest questions of life What am I? Am I a cosmic accident? Or is there a God who created this world with a purpose and a meaning? Does my life have meaning? Who am I? Am I some just product of evolution, just a smart ape? Or am I a created being, a child of God? Am I alone? Am I alone in a short life with an ugly end? Or is there a bigger reality, a bigger purpose, a bigger meaning? The fact that you are here this morning at a Christian worship service focused on God, celebrating and worshiping God, well, that suggests that you believe that God is there or you suspect that God might be there or you hope that God is there. Well, if, those, if any of those things are true, I invite you to stay and pray this morning Prayer is a relationship, and if you hope, want, need a relationship, that's what prayer is offering this morning, and if you've never done it, then this is a gentle church, that's my experience, there will be very gentle people in a small group, and they will help you pray for the first time if you've never done it, so I hope that many of you do stay to pray, is any one of you in trouble? Then stand pray. Is any one of you happy and joyful? Sing songs of praise and pray. Say thank you. Is any one among you sick? Well, that's what this service is all about. Bringing our ills to God. Asking God to heal and restore us. So what does that mean? What are we actually asking for? Well, this passage is taken uh, from James. Uh, Traditionally, the letter itself is not signed like most of the letters in the New Testament. This is associated with Jesus' brother, James. And in the book of Acts, James, described as Jesus' brother, becomes a leader in Jerusalem. He writes this letter very soon after Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, maybe seven, ten years after. And he is writing the letter to new Christians. The church has just begun. The church is spreading. And this letter was written to people in a time without hospitals, without uh, much in the way of doctoring, especially for poor people, without much knowledge about how the body worked. And he was reminding new Christians, that they have a resource beyond this world. That's what this letter is all about. Specifically, he's reminding new Christians what they believe, that Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is Lord, then this is the Lord's world, the world's, the Lord's creation. And we are God's, the Lord's, Jesus' creation. That means Jesus has authority over everything in this world and everything that we are as created beings. In the book of Acts, we read, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. If Jesus is your Lord, if you acknowledge his Lordship, you are under his power, part of his kingdom, and it is an orderly kingdom. And it is the the confidence that God will restore us through Jesus' Lordship that brings us to God and Jesus in healing prayer. The Gospel of Matthew begins. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness amongst the people. The issue is authority. Jesus began the returning king saying and preaching, Repent, the kingdom of God is near. Is near. He was talking about himself. I am the king. I have all power and all authority. That was why he was able to do all the miracles that he did, restoring the brokenness in the world as he drew the world into his kingdom and as he draws us into his kingdom. To say Jesus is Lord is to say I am a citizen. Jesus' kingdom. He is my king, my lord, and every aspect of my life, mind, body, soul, heart, is under his authority. And that's why we go to the authority, to our creator, to be healed. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. As you heard Kevin say, elders are the members of this congregation who have been elected to be leaders in this this congregation, and we have a number of them here this morning. But you don't have to be a healer to become an elder. It is not one of the gifts that the Bible describes for being a leader in the church. Therefore, it shows you that healing, when elders pray for healing, is not a matter of some special gift or talent inherent in the elder, in the individual. Elder is an office in the Christian church. And therefore it is an exercise of the authority of the church when an elder prays for somebody. It is an issue of authority and power, not of the individual, but of the church, the Christian church, with Christ as its head. It is another acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord. Why do we anoint with oil? Is oil some kind of magic substance? No, it's just oil. But saying it's just oil is like saying when we baptize a child, it's just water. The oil is a symbol, a visual Parable, just as uh, Gary mentioned, that you need to unpack to understand the sweetness behind it. Oil was a way of anointing people in service. Kings were anointed. In fact, when Jesus, uh, as a child, went to the um, he went to the um, a synagogue and he was teaching, and this is what happened. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he, Jesus, rolled up the scroll and said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Just as when we baptize a child with water, we are witnessing physically a spiritual reality that this child has received the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit washes that child clean. So with oil and the anointing with oil, it is an acknowledgement of authority. Acknowledgement that this person is under the authority, under the authority of the Spirit, under the authority of God. That is the source of its power. But it means something else as well. It was the habit in the East to anoint guests when they arrived at your home, a way of welcome. If you live in a sun-blasted country, a dusty, uh, grimy country, then oil was a way of refreshing. It was uh, was like offering as we would food or drink. It was a way of bringing the person out of the sun-blasted world and in to a safe, comfortable place. It was a sign of coming home. Well, that's also what is happening when we anoint people with oil. What we are saying is and what you are saying when you ask to be anointed is I belong to God. The church, the house of the Lord is my home. And what is the church saying to you? What is Jesus saying to you? Just as at baptism anointing with oil says this one belongs to God. This one lives in the power and the hand of God. And there is nothing in the world that is ever going to take this one away. No sickness, no illness, no hurt, nothing the world can do. This one is mine. And I'm going to take care of this one. That is how we can be so bold. That is why asking for prayer and anointing is so powerful. Let me end with Psalm 23, and I want you to listen to the end, how it describes coming home. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When you come home, when we come home, we will see God face to face, and he will anoint us and welcome us into his home. When we come to God in need, in prayer, to receive anointing, we are claiming that promise, that identity, that hope, that destination. And we're going to do that right now. I encourage you, if you've never done this before, to consider staying and being part of this prayer service. So, for some of you, this is not what you signed up for this morning. So what are we going to do? What I'm going to do right now, I'm going to close the service with a benediction. This will be the end of our regular worship service. Those of you who don't feel ready to stay, that's your signal to go. No condemnation. I'm not looking. Nobody will be looking. Those of you who would like to be part of the prayer, we're going to form some prayer circles. And in fact, I invite all the deacons right now to stand up and start to form prayer circles along that wall. We want to form circles of five or six people. The deacon will introduce themselves to you and Prayer of any kind is acceptable. If you need to be anointed or we'd like to be anointed, raise your hand and elders will come over. If you don't want to do that in public, we can go somewhere that uh, is more private. So let's end our service with a benediction. Let's stand together right now. And remember what we're doing. This is the end of the formal service. Then, those of you who want to leave, feel free to leave. Those of you who want prayer, make your way over to this side of the room and find a circle. And we'll pray for as long as it takes. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each of you now and evermore. Amen. Let's go forth to serve the world as those who love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.